to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner. With me are my two co-hosts, yada, 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 and I got Bettina and Maddie here. We're trying to get right back into it because Bettina, where she last left off, if you were paying attention last Thursday, obviously this was really good what we were talking about. We're getting into some really cool material, and I don't want to take too long getting into the intro. Uh, I do have to tell you about the Patreon. The Patreon is $10, 20 30 40 $50 tier. Uh, you get a swag bag, the $20 tier, and then you get uh, $10, $20 tier. $30 tier goes up. You get a book with all of them, but you $30 tier, you get two books. Uh, $40 tier, you get a, a, a book from someone and then one of my books. And $50 tier, you get both of my books and then someone else's books. You get three three books, $50 tier. And shirt, hoodie, whatever it is we got. Patreon, check it out. It's a good deal. You get something out of it. We get something out of it. You only got to be uh, registered for two months in the Patreon, right? Yep. Okay. Facebook groups, Paranormal Roundtable, Facebook group, go join it. Uh, what else? We have my books. Go to Amazon.com. Obviously, I don't need to say .com. Everybody knows what Amazon is. Yeah. So they're like, the rainforest? Like, they're not confused <laughs> with the rainforest. No. Amazon is where you'll find my books, Werewolves and the Dogman Phenomena and the Bigfoot Phenomena. And there'll be a third book coming soon. Okay, so that being said, Bettina, where you left off, you were talking about alien abduction, okay? And it was getting really, really interesting. Uh, I'm really surprised at how interesting the conversation, uh, I was thinking I was going to be asleep. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's looking I, up now. I tried to keep it as interesting as possible. And really, it doesn't take too much when you're trying to like look into or trying to make sense of a lot of things when it comes to these different entities or creatures. But where I left off last time was basically talking about the alien phenomena, bedroom visitations, um, the different manifestations of how they come in. And I left off talking about um, aliens, um, the bedroom nighttime visitations, whatever you want to call it. I feel like that aliens are another form or another manifestation of ways that they come in. The same way that you have people who have night terrors, you have that terrifying feeling of something being in the room with sleep paralysis um, when it comes to aliens that is another way that I feel like that they come into because a lot of the people who wake up you will either see a demon in the room some people see aliens in the room and during both experiences a lot of the times the people are unable to move they're unable to um, stop them. They see these entities approaching their bedrooms and they see them coming near the bed or they are taken out of their home against their free will. Um, these beings have the ability to transport their the, the human who they're visiting through. Um, I don't know, like however they're able to do it, they're able to do it in such a way that it shouldn't and our realm of reality be possible, teleporting them through the ceiling aboard a craft, if that's actually happening or if they're taking your spirit above that ship. But I don't think it would be the spirit because then when they're taking them to the ships, then they're taking them on there and they're taking human um, from the females, it's eggs and the ovaries and stuff like that. And from the men, it's sperm. Same way that I put that together with um, demonic influence where you have a succubus spirit that comes in and that actually has sex with men or the incubus spirit that is would be a male demon that comes in that has sex with women. And I don't know, you have people talking about different bloodlines and stuff like that when it comes to um, 
you know, the Nephilim and people think that there's people like that walking around to this day that have that DNA. So whether it's possible for this to happen, because there are people out there that claim that um, they were impregnated by a spirit. And you have the same thing when it comes to alien abduction or people that are abducted. Then later on, the women are taken back to the ship later and taken to a room shown their hybrid children. Now, the reason I put that together with demonic activity is because just like demonic activity, a lot of this stuff is against their will. These people are tortured above the ship. They're probed. Um, you have the Nephilim or the fallen angels that came in to human women in Genesis 6. And then the book of Enoch, it goes further into it where, you know, you have ancient aliens. They call them um, the gods or they call them ancient aliens. Some people call them the Anunnaki. Um, different cultures call them different things. And it goes back even to the ancient Sumerian when it comes to these things, sky, sky people. Now, the similarities of this also go with some of the um, people who've gone through hypnotic progression when it comes to alien abduction and that have actually said that um, when the aliens showed up in their room, there's been people that have reported that they smelled sulfur or it smelled like something's burning or you have radiation. And people don't realize that in the Bible, you talk about fire and brimstone. Another word for brimstone is sulfur. So that's lake of fire. So if you think about fire and brimstone, you think about hell. Why would an alien from another planet that comes into somebody's home in their bedroom, why would they smell sulfur? Unless they come from the inner earth. Unless they come from the inner earth or unless they are being from hell or something else like that. It's outside of our realm of understanding. But either way, these entities are doing things that are manipulating even down to cattle cattle uh, mutilations. There's so many different things. And even with that being said, they are still taking the reproductive organs of those livestock in order to, we don't know, like if it's an alien and they're doing this to humans, if they're doing this to animals too, and they're doing it in such a um, surgically precise way that a lot of the time the all the blood is drained out of these animals, like to a point with, to the fact today they still can't explain that. Now, what are they doing with those eyes? What are they doing with those reproductive organs? Are they creating hybrid animals themselves? Are they, are they, are these aliens, are they the fallen? Are they demons? But at the end of the day, my point is, is that these things are coming in and they are coming in in different forms. Some of the aliens that come in during um, alien abduction situations and cases and stuff like that, aliens are also able to be channeled through mediums and psychics and clairvoyance just the same way demons are. Why would an alien or a life form from another planet be able to be um, conjured, conjured up? Why would one be able to speak through a medium? If it's a something from another planet, I'm not saying that that you know, they can't, they're interdimensional. We can call it interdimensional. You can call them supernatural, whatever you want to call it. To me, it's too in line with what goes along with, and maybe all these different entities or whatever, maybe they all have these abilities that we just don't understand, but their similarities are just so great. What you're talking about too is, it's really fascinating because it's something I've thought about. There were, there were several cases that, that were really, uh, I've gotten so many, some of them I heard from Albert Rosales and Nick Redfern and all these different people that, that I've talked to them about these, some of these really high profile cases. Uh, 
what's his name, uh, Christopher Jordan. You know, they've all covered these really weird cases. Daniel Jones, um, you know, James Bartley. That's why these guys, I wanted to do the UAP project with them. Uh, Nick Redfern was a very, you know, important part of that. Now he's back in, in England. But the, the one of the things that I've talked to all these different people, there are cases and I'm sure every one of these gentlemen I just mentioned would probably agree with this, where these things do like they manifest as or, or they appear as physical beings, but they will actually come through the wall and take you kind of like the, what are they called on Hellraiser? Those Cenobites, yeah. the wall opens up and they go through the wall, but it's really not, there's the wall isn't really opening up. It's just an illusion. Like the wall isn't really there. It's just, they're just, you know, it's, that's my take on that. You know, it's like they're demons, right? But they were once people, but there's somewhere in between human and demon. Uh, that's kind of how I look at these aliens. They, they can come through the wall, snatch you up and then drag you through the wall physically. Now I myself have, uh, I looked this up too, just the other day and just about two weeks ago, Four cases that I've looked up. All of them were females, too, except for one. Uh, there were four females. Actually, there was five cases, four females and one male of stories that I've gotten where they were, went through a wall. And not always with a um, uh, an alien, like with Jason Bland from Paranormal Soup. Remember, he rec we recorded with him? Yeah. That thing would take him. It would He would go through the wall, but I think it was in a spiritual way. But he was sort of like being abducted by this demon that was coming and taking him, you know, like on a regular basis. You got to listen to that episode. Those episodes are crazy. Um, but what I was going to tell you about, we, we go back to what we said on the last episode, my friend Pat, and I hadn't heard from him in a while, and he had gotten in touch with me a couple, a couple of years ago. And we talked, and one of the things that he told me about being an empath and I had this conversation with him, and this was something I didn't put in a file on the computer, actually. It was something that I had written down, and I was looking through one of my notebooks at the house, and Anthony and Tony can tell you, I have notebooks of stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I was going through one of the notebooks, and I found his name on there, and I was like, oh, yeah. And I remembered the conversation, you know, and what, he had told me something very similar had happened to him along the lines of what happened to you, Bettina. And I wonder about this. Now, there to me is a fine line between alien and demon, okay? People get abducted and, and snatched out of their beds by these aliens, but they also get abducted and snatched out of their beds by demons. The aliens will take eggs or sperm just like a demon, like a succubus or an incubus will take, will take something from you. Um, I believe that's the whole point. I mean... It's really weird. There, there was, an, and before I talk, finish talking about Pat's story, there is a story that I read, and I went over this with David Weatherly because we both read the same book, and I believe it was in either Legends of the Fire Spirits or The Vengeful Gin by Rosemary Ellen who David and Ken were very good friends with. And we've, we had talked about some of these cases together, and I've spent hours talking to people, um, researchers, authors, uh, podcasters, you name it witnesses and and one of those cases I, I can't remember which book it was but there was a guy who married a woman and he's like in this book he says my wife was a jinn and he found this out and get this this is really freaky he came home from work early one day and the baby was crying 
and he sees her breast. Now, I'm not, this is in this book. I can't remember if it was Vengeful Jen or the Jen Connection by, by Rosemary Ellen Guiley, or if it was Legends of the Fire Spirits, one of those about the Jen. And the breast was floating in the air to go feed the baby. Like he sees this. And while she's in the kitchen cooking, he sees her true form. And she's like this blackish blue color. And it is so bizarre. And I, I wish I knew exactly where I read that. But I, that, that story always stuck with me. Now, I was talking to a friend of ours who used to work for us, and he was he's an Arabic guy, and he was telling me when we went over a couple of stories that, that, that of the middle, from the Middle East, one in particular, I still need to get on this one. It's about this uh, horrific journey this woman took to Petra. But we went over this, and he was saying, yeah, these jinn can marry people, and they'll look like humans. He's like, but then the person will figure out that they're not – uh, they're not a person like the person will figure out that this is, you know, because they'll do something. Um, they will go to sleep. You know, they'll fall into a deep sleep after intercourse and they'll see the, they'll, they'll wake up in this dreamlike state and they'll see this partner of theirs, this girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife shedding their skin into like this weird being, you know, or they'll be walking through a portal that could be also alien because we, we've gotten – since we had that story about uh, – this is a weird one. And tell me what you think of this, Bettina, Maddie, the guests here tonight. Um, the, the story about was it, uh, about the black-eyed kid all grown up. Go check that story about black-eyed kid all grown up. Since I told that story, I was contacted by a woman who went by Kathleen. I don't think that's her real name. She don't think she gave me her real name. And for about two days off and on, we corresponded and we spoke briefly on the phone. And when she talked to me on the phone, she used a voice changer, which was kind of disturbing. And I said, look, I don't, I'm not okay with this. Just can you please, this isn't X-Files, come on. And so she eventually spoke to me and she's like, look, I am very, par super highly paranoid. She goes, I don't know what I was with. I don't know if it was a, a a person that was just a hybrid or if I was with a jinn. And she said that specifically. And the reason is, is because she's of Moroccan descent. Well, her her mother was Moroccan and her dad was like uh, a Nicaraguan. But she said, you know, my, my mother's people, they're Moroccan, and I don't know what I was with. And she said, my mother believes that it, this person was a jinn. What she told me was so bizarre, and I will talk about that story on the live stream. I will give that story. I will give you a little nugget here on the show here because we're not going to take a bunch of time with me talking. But she, the, the, the way he looked, she said when, when he shed his human skin, she woke up out of this deep sleep. And she took a medication that would put her to sleep. And he would encourage her to take it. So one night she didn't take it because she knew something was wrong. She said that when she saw this shadow thing going across the room, she reached over to, to push her fiance, I think is what he was at that time, to show him the being. And then she realized he wasn't there. And then she knew in her heart that that was him moving across the room. She said that the, the form he had, it was like, like he was a portal. Like she could look through what should have been his arms, legs, torso, head and see the cosmos like stars and things through this like walking portal. It was so bizarre, but it was like he, it was an entity too. 
And she was just like, I don't know what, you know, and now you would think, oh, this is really wild. This is crazy. But this is not the first time I've heard something like this. And they're probably, uh, we have an audience that's heavily ghost encrypted focused. Uh, but in the UFO world, people have heard things like this because I've talked to people who've told me, other researchers. And this is very bizarre. Oh, they'll, or they'll see light, you know, kind of moving around within the shape of the blackness. It's a very weird thing. And so she, I told her, I said, I, I call those, I don't have a name for it, but I call those the cosmic beings. And just because people have seen like what looks like uh, like a cosmos floating around inside of their image. Imagine a, a being walking. And as it's walking, you can kind of see another world in the in their shape that they're walking. You know, it's weird. Um, very bizarre. Very, very bizarre. Uh, this happened to this woman in Seattle. She was living, well, she was living just south of Seattle. But it was a very uh, uh, profound experience to the point where she moved across the country to Florida because it freaked her out so bad. Um, once she relocated, though, this person or thing, whatever it was, had no more business with her. But there's more to that story, and I will tell that story on the live stream. But here, if, if by the time of this recording, I may have already told it. So if you're listening only to the podcast, you're missing out because I'm going to tell that one. It's a very interesting story. One of the things, though, that that uh, is is to me, like with, with this guy, Patrick, or Pat, as we called him, who worked for us when we fired him. Now, he told me, he says, you know, he's like, I had a very bad anger problem, and me and my girlfriend, we split up. He's like, when I when I went to go live in, back in Atlanta, I had a job. I started bouncing over there, and then he was barbacking, and then he started bartending. He was working in the club scene. And he said, I was working at a club. And I made a, a, a comment, like how Bettina said something about being on demon, you know, time. And he said, well, if there's any ghosts or, or demons here, you know, he like challenged it, you know. And he goes, I go home that night. I wake up and the covers are just slowly rolling off of me. He's like, and I thought, oh, my gosh, like, what is this? What's happening here? You know, holy crap, you know. And he's like, I grab the covers and I think I'm half asleep, you know, and I think, oh, you know, I'm having a dream. He goes, but I'm not having a dream. So he pulls the covers back up and then he couldn't go back to sleep because it freaked him out so bad. He turned the light on. He goes, and I sat there looking around the room. There was nothing there. So for hours, I just laid there until daylight. And then I went to sleep for a couple of hours and then I had to get up and go, you know. But he said, dude, it was uh, the beginning of, I guess you could say, the opening salvo to what would come. A couple other small things happened. Uh, ultimately, it led to, you know, him trying to leave to go to the gym like a couple days later because he would work out like a couple hours before he had to go to his shift and his bartending job. And he's like, I was trying to leave and something grabbed my shirt. Like literally, if somebody were to be pulling you and it pulled me, he goes, I opened the door and I couldn't walk out the door. He goes, I could see my neighbors coming out of their apartment and talking and he's like, and the something was grabbing me. He's like, and then I started to yell, help. And he goes, and one of my neighbors kind of turned and noticed it. He goes, and I was holding the door. As soon as I let it go, it was like a rubber band. The door just slammed shut. And whatever this was on me, he said it felt like half a person was pulling him backwards. And literally, he felt like these weird bony fingers going around his mouth and his eyes. And he could see, but it was like something blurry covering his face like something blurry and translucent, and then something was covering his mouth where he couldn't scream again. 
and he began to kind of wrestle around with it. And he, whatever it was, he lost control of the situation and he was coming out of his body. His body was laying there on the ground and he looks up and he sees this hag looking creature. There's only way he can describe it with just arms and a torso, no legs. And it was like pulling his hair and biting him and hitting him, like hammer fisting him on that, what should be his head, but he's in like an ethereal form, like a body out of his body. And that's, that's where you're kind of in the astral plane and you still have the, the visage of a human form, right? And it began to drag him into the room. The door slammed on its own behind this creature and it began to literally pulverize him all over the bed. And then he, something really weird happened. His body, his, you know, with no spirit or anything inside of it, opened the door and walked in zombie-like and fell under the bed. And then he fell into his body. When he fell into his body, he noticed for a split second as he was falling, he looked up, he could see backwards and whichever direction he wanted to see, he could see. And he said he looked backwards and he saw this entity coming toward him and there was this white light that was behind it that began absorbing it. And then it was gone. And then when he woke up, he was like, there was nothing. Everything was just calm and I wasn't in this weird, you know, state or whatever. And I asked him, I said, did you continue to have issues at that point? He said, no. And I said, so nothing ever happened in that apartment ever again? He said, no, nothing ever. He said one time when he was at his now current girlfriend's house, um, their house was haunted and he heard something whisper his name. And he looked down the hall when he went to use the bathroom and he thought he saw a little girl like turn the corner real quick. Uh, but he said, other than that, and nothing ever came further of that. So it could have just been a haunting that was going on there at her weird house that was old. Um, those were his words, a weird old house. Uh, so that was not probably anything. It was not connected to him. What caused that to attack him and what saved him and what caused his, dis dis his soulless body to actually get up and move as he witnessed it with his consciousness out of his body, the body moved and opened the door and walked in and fell down onto the bed and allowed him to go back into his body. Because this thing that was attacking him was keeping him separate from his body. But like he told me, I saw this white ball of light that was massive. It took up the, the, the half of the room and it absorbed that entity. And he said this thing was very skeletal looking like he, he all he actually described it kind of like have you ever seen the mascot to Iron Maiden? And I said, yes, take that. And he said that there was a there's a, a, a cover of album and I, I'm an Iron Maiden fan. So I know what he's talking about. He said kind of like the the image on killers. Go look at the album cover. That's the way Pat described it to me. But he said that was very uh, telling. Um, he said, you know. If you look at that, that image is very telling of what I saw, but not exactly. He goes, but it was very thin, sunken in eyes. Um, they, it was wild hair, like it was, a, a, but it was an entity, you know, but skinny arms, real bony looking. You could see the elbows look like it had spurs for the, on the elbows. It was very gnarly looking. Um, and then you wonder about that. Like, why would a demon look human-like at all, you know? When these beings shed their human skin, they don't look human at all. Like a reptilian doesn't look human. Um, these cosmic beings, as people have, t have talked about, or the jinn, a jinn that can 
remove its breast and go feed the baby while it's doing something in the kitchen, which to me would be old hat for them because they could do things that defy our laws of physics because they're from another plane of existence that's above ours. So, I mean, why wouldn't you be able to like dissect yourself and do two or three tasks at once? You know, I mean, there's people that can multitask pretty well. I mean, imagine a a demon. Um, Plus they have a consciousness that keeps going. It doesn't, it's not broken up like ours is into periods, you know? Uh, and I don't want to get into that or try to explain that. Does that make sense to you guys? Anybody want to comment on that? What I was going to say on it, um, I think that the reason, I think that the reason, so you said his spirit was out of his body, but he could see his body laying there, but while his body was able to walk around and, you know. His body got up and moved on its own, yeah. Well, if you think about it in the context of, if you've ever heard before, just and I, I use this movie for an example the last time I was on the show when I brought up the fact of that movie Insidious. Remember in that movie, the what was her name, Elaine in the movie? She basically told the little boy's father that the further he moved away from his body, each time he went further and further away, um, there's always entities that are looking around that body and, and they have the ability to take over somebody's body while they're away from it. So if your spirit is out of your body, but you're not dead, that leaves your body wide open to another spirit taking it over, possessing that body. That's why that person's body is able to walk around like that. That's just my thoughts on that. Um, because if you're out of your body, and these are spirits that are what you call disembodied spirits. Demons are supposed to be something that never lived. They never had a body. So that's how that that's how and that's why they want to come in and possess people because they want to have a physical body. So when you are out of your body, there's some people that even teach you how to uh, lucid dream or astral project. Um, and they try to tell you all these safe ways to do it. And if you see all these different entities and stuff like that, don't worry about it. But not telling you really that these entities while you're away from your body, if you don't get back to it soon enough, then they can get in there. And what if you can't get back in? Or what if you try to come back to your body and you are your spirit is also indwelt in your own body with a demonic spirit or another entity? Um, on the alien stuff that I was saying a few minutes ago, and I'll kind of wrap it up on that, was just to say... Um, like even with um, the similarities with that, them coming into the room, the demonic side of that for me is the fact that people have actually stopped alien abductions um, by calling on the name of Jesus. They've stopped it in its tracks. Um, you can look into uh, sleep paralysis, stop sleep paralysis dot org, and there's so many different things on that website and counts from other people, whatever that's on there that have stopped those encounters. Some of it is generational. Uh, The mother, the father, family line has had these different types of entities coming to them and abducting them for years. So you also have to break generational curses sometimes in order to get these things to come, to stop coming to you and abducting you. Now, I think it's very disturbing when a a so-called alien, like I said before, can be channeled just the way a demon can. And I don't know if the movie The Fourth Kind, they say, was based on a true story. Some people say it wasn't. 
But whether it was or not, that movie was very disturbing. They were the entities were able to be conjured up through uh, hypnosis. Um, and the psychiatrist in that movie was trying to channel those entities. And the voice that came through the guy, the was an African guy that she had reached out to because she couldn't understand what she heard played back after she recorded it. And the voice that came through that was interpreted for her by this African guy who was like, I guess, an expert on uh, dead languages. He told her that one of the oldest languages ever known basically is was recorded in your room last night. He told her it was ancient Sumerian. Now, when she threw another hypnotic episode with one of these people, one of the uh, one of her clients that were coming in, he was actually able to be levitated out of his bed when it was channeled through him. Did you ever see that movie? The Fourth Kind is one of the most you saw. <clears throat> you know, my yeah. wife was talking about it the other day, and mm-hmm. I don't, I st- I don't, I just can't get into hip hop. You know that well. I don't <laughs> that. And I don't want to lose my train of thought on, no, that ahead, on this, because, but they're able. You're able. They're able to be channeled. There's people that's actually doing that. Aleister Crowley, uh, Lamb, in yeah. 1918, he Looks conjured like a big, up big giant headed being. Yes, and yeah. they. What did he call himself? The Beast Six Six Six. The Beast. Yeah. And he called himself the most evil man alive. And through you just said Aleister Crowley, and I said the Beast. The Beast. <laughs> <laughs> Aleister Crowley, and I meant to say the Beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he conjured up uh, Lamb, which basically he was conjuring up, I guess, what would be a demon. And it said he'd done that in 1918. Well, look through. at all the weird things they were doing over there in Bolskin Castle. Well, he it was said he did that through ritualistic uh, sex magic, through Alamanthra, but Alamanthra working. Yeah. And what but he was conjuring up a demon. It just so happened that it had a bulbous head like an alien. Here's the thing, too, about that. Him and Jack Parsons and the guy that founded Ientology, I don't want to say the the, the name. I'll just say Ientology. <laughs> they, they were involved in invoking what a lot of people believe the UFO era. Like they opened up portals that, that allowed these beings to come into our realm. Um <laughs> They moved us sort of like, you know, with their magic. I was talking to a guy who was heavily involved. I didn't know at the time, but he was heavily involved into Enochian magic. And he was going on and on and on about the the, the different symbols. And he was explaining all kinds of things to me, Um, the Eucharist and all these different things. And and the, the, uh, the, what is it, the Egyptian symbol, the Ankh? Yeah, the Ankh. And we were going over all these different symbols. And, and then I was like, how do you know all this? And he, he worked out at my 24-hour fitness. And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm into Enochian magic big time. And so I was just like, oh, okay, I'm not real. <laughs> I, I, you know, to each his own, whatever. But I'm like, I, I would not play around or mess around with that kind of stuff. Um, I just wouldn't. I mean, it's just too much, you know. And I've talked to Kabbalists and I've talked to people who are into every type of thing you could possibly imagine. and they all seem to have this, like, to me, and this is just me, take my own take on it. They, they see, they, they seem, they come off as like they know so much about what they're doing. But I'm like, if you really did, you wouldn't be messing with all this. And most of them are very open about what they think aliens are, and that they'll tell you. A lot of them will tell you aliens and demons are are similar but not the same. Now, how do they coexist? That's the thing. Without being the same, I mean, like I, we've we've 
discussed this many times, is an alien a demon or isn't a demon an alien? And like the whole dogman thing. When I had Jody Cook on recently, and it was something that me and Jody had had conversations about uh, before, you know, and that's why I had him come on the, on the live stream and talk about it, you know, was the whole dogman, you know, from outer space or piloting UFOs or whatever. Uh, then we did a show about, was it, we did two episodes, right? On the Tuesday? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, with with uh, these spacefaring, uh, possible spacefaring dogmen. Some of the things that you get that Dogman does too, like just like Bigfoot, I mean, doesn't make sense. It defies the laws of what we know as, you know, the laws of physics. One of the things that this guy, the the Anakian guy, his name is Alan, but one of the things that Alan told me, he's, you know, and he told me this a couple different times. We would talk at the gym and, you know, we'd run into each other. We were always working out at the same time at that point. And we would talk periodically. Sometimes he'd be there, sometimes he wouldn't. And I believe he was telling me and Nelly, you know, like what his theories were about cryptids. And and I believe she was there. And Anthony, you might have been there, but you were probably walking around, coming and going. Yeah. And we we have met so many people at the gym. The night owls at the gym, they're really into some weird stuff. But Alan was was telling us, he was like, he goes, I believe that Bigfoot is an alien. And he was very, you know, and it came down to what you just said uh, about channeling because his wife, he, she got really heavily involved in the Kabbalism, which he sort of was like not on board with that. So I'm not on board with any kind of magic really, but she was, he was saying that my wife had channeled one of these Bigfoot. Now we had someone on the show one time mm -hmm. who it created a controversy because she was saying that she prays to Bigfoot. I don't know if you guys remember that. And I'm not going to say her name or whatever because I don't want her to get messed with or something. People kind of get upset when they, you know, but I was like, that's really odd. Uh, but, to, you know, there again, to each their own. I mean, I don't pray to Bigfoot, you know, you know, but she was like, you know, saying that in, in prayer in the way of like beseeching Bigfoot mentally, trying to connect or create a connection there. And then we had Anne Celine on the show. And Anne Celine had a spiritual Bigfoot encounter. Um, I mean, there's really no other way to put it. And then there was another another person who was on the show who had claimed that they had talked to a Bigfoot and, or, a, or a man and he could make the Bigfoot come over like uh, like out of his body. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. These are all different people. I mean, so you, so there are some very weird things that, that go along with Bigfoot. Thus the book that I wrote, the Bigfoot phenomena. Um, but to me, it all goes in time. It just, it's all part of the same wheel, you know, and people want to say, oh, this can't be, this isn't, this isn't correct. These things aren't all the same. They're not, you know, you know, I don't know that they're all the same, but they're all connected. There has to be a connector. Uh, do I think that there are different types of these creatures um, and can they all be operating at the same time, but just using slightly different frequencies to inhabit the same space? Yes, I do. I absolutely believe that. Um, and I think that what you saw, the fact that you've had, what, three dogman encounters, Bettina? I had the main encounter. The Well, when I say the main encounter, the first initial um, dogman encounter that I've told multiple times on your show and on other shows. But so when there's a difference between encounter and sighting, I would say that that night was an encounter because it was eye contact made. Um, 
it was something that I actually saw it in, in full. I mean, there was an interaction there mentally, I guess, telepathic interaction between me and that thing for that moment, um, even though it was only eight to ten seconds. But that was not the only time I've seen them. It was more than two or three. This is over a period between 2013, which November 2013, the first dog man encounter, and then several uh, sightings of them on that property from that point all the way up to like 2019 before my parents moved out. So I saw them multiple times out there. And so just you, watching from behind, just watching from the from behind the trees. I would sit out there and they would be actually sitting there like not sitting there, but standing and watching uh, from a distance. Do you think by your assessment that these things, the dog men are related to the demon that you saw? I don't think that they are related to that. Um, I don't think they're related to that. I just th- I think that there's a correlation between Bigfoot, Dogman, uh, cryptids, the paranormal, aliens. I think that all of this stuff has a spiritual um, connotation to it. There's a spiritual connection there. I feel that if you are a person, a lot of people don't realize that people who... A lot of people who've had cryptid um, encounters or sightings have also seen ghosts or seen aliens or UFOs um, or have paranormal activity in their homes. I think that once you, whatever that tie is, whatever it is, whether it's orbs or whatever it is, there's something about it. And I just think that whether you are a beacon for it, whether you are marked after that and these things know that you have the eye or that you can see them for whatever reason, I just think that they are attracted to you after that. That's how I feel about it because you yourself, you, uh, you've you seen Big, not Bigfoot, but you've seen Dogman before. And I think, didn't you say y'all also seen, um, what did you call it, a blue dog? And yeah. you. But, th- but those are pretty, like, I mean, we have those stuffed in taxidermy. <laughs> you know, like, you, mm. that's, that's not even really a cryptid anymore. Well, that's a real animal. Well, do you, uh, there's several different things now. I, I'm going to go into dog man in a few minutes, but I just wanted to say, like, looking at all of it, you've got to take into account why is everybody having these multiple things happen? Why, what's the center with that? Because you've told of ghosts. Uh, didn't you say about the hitchhiker you picked up? Uh-huh. We talked about yeah, that. We talked about that from the devil's backbone. So there's a lot of stuff that goes with it. So there's a tie there. Why? And is it demonic? And why are these entities? Think about this, though. Mm-hmm. You know, the the average Joe Blow would have given that guy a ride and probably never thought twice about it because we, my brother and I, were very suspicious and, you know, we were kind of very well aware of the paranormal having, we were living in a haunted house at that time. It sounds goofy to say haunted house. It sounds like it's a spook house. No, it was terrifying. Um, but living in that house, you know, we thought, we were, we, we were putting the pieces together pretty quickly. Now, the average person does that. They're not even going to think twice. Why did this guy walk to a dilapidated building, which is no longer there, by the way? And then, you know, you know, who's going to go back and question the people there and say, hey, but we did. That's why we were able to, to ascertain that this is not a human. This is a, a ghost. You know, there's no, you know, but the average person goes through their day, day to day, and they see things. You know, like the, the story I was talking about with Ken Gerhard, the little girl in Germany, she was, she was in Hamburg 
and they were marching down the street during a Krampus festival. And one of them, she could clearly see, was moving its face in, in a way that wasn't human. I mean, it wasn't uh, a mask. It wasn't a mask. Mm -hmm. She was like, and it stopped and looked right at her because she could see it. And mm -hmm. she was a child in the 80s. And she said, I am convinced 100% that that was a demon, an actual Krampus demon that was marching in the procession with the Krampus actors. Um, that is something that most people will just go, oh, it was just, it just has makeup on whatever. It's just a really good makeup. But we, we talked about it on the show too, about how people will see like devil looking creatures or whatever. And they think, oh, it's Halloween. It's, they're just wearing a mask. It's nothing. So, I mean, that, that right there, it makes you, you know, but, but how many people though, on a day-to-day -day basis, see weird things or they run into what could be an alien hybrid you don't even know like people at, like the girl remember the girl at heb yeah tony and she was talking about the, the eyes the slitted up eyes i can't remember the whole conversation oh yeah and she was telling us about that the person's eyes slitting up while she was bagging the groceries she was telling us about it um and what's crazy though is like a lot of people just see that and they'll be like oh i saw this person's eyes like flutter around or something you know and they don't even think they just go oh, that was weird and they blow it off you know and then there's somebody who has had a ton of experiences and then they start documenting it all then they come to the conclusion that hey i've had a dozen different things happen to me and they're like oh that person's weird that person's crazy they've had all this stuff happen to you so have you you just don't remember it or you didn't pay attention mm -hmm. one time i asked anthony i said have you ever had anything weird happen to you? This is back when you were in your early 20s and you were like, not really. And then I asked him again, you know, a few years later. And then he, he we started going over all the weird stuff that had happened to him from the time you were like, I think you were in your mid to late 20s at that point. Yeah. And he came up with half a dozen weird things that had happened to him when we sat there and really went over it. But then you think, oh, these are all minuscule things. But put together, you have a whole – now, you figure he's in his early 30s. If he's had half a dozen things happen to him, that's like two per decade. That's not that much, really. But over the course of a life, you will have a lot of things happen to you. Every five years, you have something weird, supernatural happen to you. That's an average, you know. Um, like you, Maddie, you've had several things happen to you, right? But you you were pretty quick to tell me, yeah, I I'm, I'm pretty boring. I haven't ever had anything happen. I'm just yeah, that's my life. <laughs> <laughs> but you were, but you were like saying, you know, like you didn't really have a whole lot to say, but you did because once we started talking the other night, uh, you had at least half a dozen things that were weird that you could attest to. Yeah, and actually, I forgot to mention the UFO lights that m myself, my brothers, and some neighborhood kids saw, and then. I think actually back in 2020, I sent you a video of something my ex and I saw in the sky, like when I first started listening to you. Yeah. See, and that that's the thing. Most people can't, they don't, they just think, oh, there's nothing weird about my life. I haven't had, there was a lady at my first conference that, did, that was sitting there recounting to me a, a couple of weird tales, um, one of which I've put on the show. And her friend was kind of standing there and I said, what about you? You haven't had anything happen? And she's like, not really. Two months go by. It was like, I think, uh, like October or something, early October. And she messages me and she says, I do have a weird story. My husband reminded me of this incident and they had a weird case of missing time. And then once I talked to him or corresponded with him through email, then it got weirder. And he had a whole lot of stuff to say that was weird. 
See, and she was real ready to just go, well, nothing really weird to see here. You know, nothing's happened to me. And he was like, that's not true at all. We've had some really weird stuff happen. But that's the average person just kind of, you know, blowing it off, fluffing it off. Like, oh, you know, nothing's going on. Nothing's ever happened. I feel like that's either because what happened was probably really kind of minute and just not that, not as intense as some encounters we hear about. Or it was just that traumatic that you kind of just throw it in the back of your mind and just pretend it never happened. Yeah. I had a quick question, though, speaking about having multiple people having multiple encounters. So I have a theory about that, uh, where it's not that they specifically are targeting you specifically or that like, uh, you're doing anything that to gain their ire. I think it's more like, or, or that they're marking you in any way. I think it's more, um, when you first encounter your first cryptid ghost, your first paranormal encounter, instead of you, them doing something to you, I think it's more of you doing something to yourself to where like uh, you, you kind of like you wake up for the first time where like you finally are able to see now. And now that you're able to see, you're, you can't go back to sleep. Or you're, so, I, so like uh, when you first see your first cryptid, like your mind's eye awakens. And then once that mind's eye awakens, all these cryptids, they're not suddenly focusing on you. It's more like you're suddenly able to now notice them because you've already been shocked once. So getting shocked again is less likely to happen. Like it's your body's way of protecting yourself to where it's now saying like, hey, you see this stuff now, recognize it, and you're going to be able to see it from now on because it's obviously something that's terrifying. It's obviously something that's going to change you. So you can't just ignore it and you can't just let it slide by anymore. Like I'm going to show you it and you're going to have to see it because you've already now experienced that. And I think like maybe that's what these cryptids also tune into where they see like, oh, that guy, he he's awake or, or he has it. He can see or he's able to see a little bit more or, you know, he hasn't been shocked enough or, or stuff like that. Well, my first experience before I ever seen a dog man or anything like that, um, Back as a child, like when I, my first thing that I ever saw was a UFO up close and personal. Um, and I wasn't the only one in that neighborhood to have seen that uh, UFO. Um, so I've believed in different things ever since I was a child or teenager, um, all the way back to uh, National Choir days or whatever, when they used to make fun of Bigfoot Dog Man, the Loch Ness Monster, and all that. But I was 14. The first time I saw a UFO, it was directly across that same house, um, the house my parents lived in back, the same one that I saw the dog man at. Um, my sister t- told me, come outside quick, you got to see this. And I came outside When I got outside directly above the house across the street from their house. There was a UFO hovering above the house. Uh, it was like a, a the saucer shape that everybody's seen, it was luminescent. It had a luminescent glow. It had red and green lights strobing around it. Um, and it was so low over that house that if I had actually, if I'd actually taken a ladder and were to climb up on that ladder and climb on top of that house, I could have taken a rock and hit it if it was like something that's actually physical and not like just some light form. It was actually that low, about the size of a, Volkswagen Beetle or something like that. And it was just hovering there. Everybody on that end of the neighborhood who was outside, because this is in the summertime, everybody on that end of the neighborhood who was outside came outside and they saw it. We called um, Huntsville um, 
International Airport. They called the weather station. They called um, everywhere that they could call around to. Nobody had any uh, weather balloons out. The airport didn't have any special craft or anything like that out. But everybody on that end of the neighborhood saw this UFO hovering. It's sat. Uh, it hovered above that house for about probably about 15, 20 minutes, if not longer. I'm going to say about 15, 20 minutes. It hovered above the house. My parents and my sister even seen this. But it hovered there until after a while it started to gradually rise up higher and higher and higher until it got to a certain point. And then it just shot out really quick and then winked out. And so I've experienced other things through the years. So sleep paralysis for me happened way before I ever had dog man. Um, so I don't as far as what it is. Or why, why it is, I just feel like, I don't know if to say is a thing of spiritual discernment. Um, there's a lot of people who may not be, you know, religious or spiritual at all, but, or they may have some form of spirituality, but these things can appear to whoever. Now, the secular side of where we say um, discernment of spirit, then on the New Age side, then they would say clairvoyant or clairaudient. Um, I just feel like, for whatever reason, there's some people that can see them. Two people be standing side by side. See, one can see it, one won't. Some people can look at something on a picture. One person can see it and one won't. But for whatever reason, I don't know why they just show themselves. I don't think that there's anything special about me. There's people who have them on their property, Bigfoot and Dogman, that go out and habituate these creatures. So there's just, it's too many unknowns to really say. While they manifest now, I could easily say, because I've heard people say, well, as far as dog man is concerned, a Bigfoot tobacco draws them in. Granted, every time I was out there seeing these things, I was out there. I was outside smoking. So did that draw them in? I don't know. But I was out there smoking each time. I don't know how true that is. I just think that the same way we watch them, they watch us. I feel like that there's a veil that's being lifted. And I feel like that whatever the reason I don't know, but I just know that they watch people and it is disturbing and there's a tie to it. I'm The first sleep paralysis, we call it incident that I ever had, was um, the first time I ever had an out-of-body experience. I didn't know what sleep paralysis was at that time. And I'm going to say this was around 2003 or 2004. And I, I know what opened me up to start having that and I'll go into that later but basically the first experience I had that night before I went to sleep at living you know mom and daddy's house I still live there I was in my 20s at that time um laying on the couch up late didn't feel like going to bed just laying on the couch watching tv and before I went to sleep that night I started hearing scratching on the wall they had that old paneling remember the old cheap mm -hmm. wood walls back yeah. in the 80s and 90s they had that and I heard what sounded like fingernails or claws scratching on the wall before I went to sleep that night and I kept hearing it and the more I heard it I kept getting more disturbed because we didn't have any pets in the house so there was no reason or rationale for what it was so I got up and went over to where I thought I heard it and there was nothing there I got up two or three times nothing there so I ended up you know feeling disturbed and afraid to go to sleep but not really not not really knowing what to make of it I just ended up falling asleep then I ended up dreaming, and then that dream ended up going over into sleep paralysis for the first time ever. So 
when I fell into sleep paralysis, this is the first time that I realized, okay, I'm having a bad dream. I don't like this. And this is when I first realized I can't wake up. I can't end this. I can't scream. I can't talk. I can't move. And then the exact same scratching noises I heard on the wall before I went to sleep that night started happening within that I was no longer in the dream state. I realized now I'm not dreaming anymore. But now the the scratching that I heard before I went to sleep, I'm now hearing it in this state of paralysis where I can't move. And now I'm getting terrified. And then I realized at this point, I, I feel something. I can feel that there's a presence in the room. I never experienced a presence before. So I think that your spirit makes you aware of other spirits because we're a spirit first. So you got evil spirit and your spirit too, whether you're a good spirit or you're a bad spirit yourself. But I was aware that there was another entity, another something in the room that wasn't right. I could feel the vibration or the energy that it was giving off. I could feel that whatever was there, it was invisible. I couldn't see it, but I could feel hatred, rage, the most angry hate that you could actually I don't know, the most evil hate. And I'm not even, my words right now are not doing it justice for what I was feeling off of this. And I realized, like, this is not a dream, but I didn't know what to make of it. So then I, what I started to realize next, my heart's beating out of control. I'm scared. I don't know what to think. Then I realized, wait a minute, I can see my body. And I'm looking down from the ceiling, looking at my body laying on the couch, like everything was exactly the same way. Like my spirit could see everything that was going on in the room. And I'm, I'm going to freak y'all out in a few minutes, but... I could see everything in the room. I could see that there was a napkin on the floor that I had dropped. I could see like a half glass of water or whatever. I could see everything. I could see a strand of hair going across my face. In a regular dream, you're not going to dream of all those details exactly like it was. Um, the cover's disheveled around my legs. That scratching is going on while my spirit's up there on the ceiling. And I'm not really understanding. And I'm somebody made sense of this for me later on. But then I realized... Oh, my God, like, you've got to wake up. And I'm screaming in my head, get up, get up, get up. I'm trying to tell myself to get up because now I start to hear footsteps running around the coffee table because they had those um, hardwood floors back then, too. So I hear footsteps running around the coffee table from the end where my feet are and it's get running around and it's going to come around to the end of the couch to come to me where my head is. And I told myself, like, I guess my spirit was talking and I, it said, I told myself, when it gets over here, it's going to choke you. Get up, hurry up, get up now. And I kept telling myself, wake up. And I couldn't get up. And exactly what I thought was going to happen when it got over to my body, it grabbed me by my neck and started choking. I started to suffocate. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to die um, from something I could not make sense of. I didn't understand because whatever it was, it was invisible. But you could hear you could audibly hear the footsteps. Now, as I'm thinking, I'm getting ready to die because that choke around my neck keeps getting tighter and tighter. The next thing that happened, mom and dad, the kitchen, that, so I was sleeping in the den. And between the den and the kitchen, mom and daddy had those old saloon doors like that kind of swing back and forth. The next thing that happens while I'm being choked by something invisible my dad walks in the room and I see that from the ceiling. My spirit is at the ceiling and I see my dad while I'm up there. I see him walk in and he said, Tina, time to get up. You got to go to work. And then he turned around. He didn't wait. He didn't come shake me to wake me up. He turned around and walked back out. He used to get up early because he had to go to be at work first shift. So he had to be at work like four or five o'clock in the morning. 
Daddy came in there. He walked back out. Actually, it was probably later than that. I think he had to be there at like six in the morning, but he walked back out and it took a few minutes, but I started to feel that squeeze around my neck let go. But it took a few minutes, I guess, for my spirit to descend back down into my body because I still couldn't, I still couldn't sit up yet. But when I finally was able to sit up on the side of the couch, I sat there for a minute and I was like, what the hell just happened? That's not right that's not a dream this is not normal and then I sat there and I'm trying to rationalize this I'm deeply disturbed but I had to make sense of it and I was like I know that's something that really happened but to put my mind at ease I was like you know what let me just go back there to mom and daddy's room and let me knock on the door when I got back there daddy opened the door he had on that exact same red t-shirt that he had had on a few minutes ago when he just walked in there to tell me to get up and I said Daddy, did you just tell me to wake up? He said, yeah, I just came in there and told you to wake up because you got to get up and get ready for work. So that's what let me know in that moment that that was more than just a dream. But that was the first experience of sleep paralysis with out-of-body experience. So it's just been a history of weird stuff all through the years. But that, all those things happened before, um, before I actually ever saw any dog man or cryptid. Do you, is it, okay, if you took all your experiences and put them all in a basket, do you think you just made an omelet out of it? Is that, do you think that that would just all gel together? It's just all part of the same, coming from the same source? I do. I feel that, um, like I was saying before, I feel like that these entities, for whatever reason, I feel like that they're able, whether they, I feel like there's some form of demonic or evil type entity. I can't say that I've been attacked every time during sleep paralysis. So I can't say, and I can't say like with the dogman experiences I have, I've never been attacked. I've never had them approach me. So I can't say that they're evil, all evil. I'll say that. But I do know that they are watchers. I do know that they are watchers. These things watch us for whatever reason. Your earliest experience was a UFO encounter? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, that's at, a lot of people. At 14. You, you know, it's funny, that remind, when you said that, it reminded me of a Jesus Payan, because uh, he used to be called the UFO man, because uh, he would have constant activity over his house, and all the neighborhood kids and everybody would see it all the time, so they knew him as the UFO man, and like, even though he's in Josh's book for the Bigfoot, uh, uh, his Bigfoot encounter, like... That was in his earlier life, like ghosts and UFOs were definitely more of his. His first experience was like three years old, yeah. four years old, and went Rendlesham Forest thing. And he, he's things. been dealing with it, so that's crazy. Like, and there was a ghost in that I, house, I, too. I want to know like how many people's first encounter was UFOs, and then that kind of led into everything oh, else. Dude, it's a lot. Yeah. That's what me and Barton were when I, we were I doing I would like the, to guess, compare the sample sizes of like each group, of like which ones had the, the, the first encounters of each. Of, is it a cryptid, ghost, or UFO? Because me, when me and Barton were doing the Bigfoot project, like every other witness, not even every other, say the first four out of five, it was like UFO, you know, and and so maybe people are open and more aware of alien activity, dogman, Bigfoot activity, ghost activity. But you know, like think about the Rendlesham Forest thing. Like he was talking about living in a haunted house and contending with a ghost. It was like in a closet, you know, under the stairs or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. That's what he was talking about. And then 
they had, unless I'm, and if I'm mistaken, and it was somebody else's encounter, but there was somebody, if it, I thought it was Jesus Payan, who had had the ghost activity going on and then he saw the UFO and it was like back and forth, you know, he had both. Uh, yeah, I think, it was, I think it was Jesus. And so when you have somebody who's had that, you're thinking, oh man, is this, is it because this person, it's all coming from the same source or one was there before the other, or is it just because that person can can see all these different types of things going on, and they could all be different types of things, but you're but they're hyper aware. So that is the question. I mean, I think that uh, because the world we perceive is not really perceived with our eyes; it's perceived with our mind. The eyes just take in the, that visual information, and the brain is what actually turns it into the image that we see. But the thing about that is that the, the reality that we perceived is the one that we're conditioned to believe is real. So I think that the first time we see something that, that we that is beyond our explanation, that is beyond our understanding, then that kind of like reconditions the mind to perceive reality in a different way. It kind of opens up your mind, I guess, to to perceiving other things that, that you were never previously conditioned to believe were a part of the real world. Yeah, so I, I guess it's kind I think of, those things are always there and you can't visually perceive them and, uh, until you until something until something changes what you believe to be the world what you believe the real world to be. Yeah. yeah I guess it's kinda of like it kind of focuses onto your either your trauma or your fears. Like, you know, like a if you have a uh, well for me for instance i have a fear of heights so whenever i'm up a certain height like i can i audibly feel it like our like i it's like it's i could hear it in my ears basically it's like a ringing where i, I feel like this anxiousness when i get up there so it's kind of because i'm so focused on that i i like you you you're heightened and you see it so it could be something similar because i know like there's plenty of people who go up high and they don't even notice it it's just like climbing up a set of stairs and or, or, or eating breakfast to them like it doesn't matter to them but for me like climbing up a couple uh, flights on a ladder like i'm already starting to feel like my palms starting to sweat a little bit knowing i'm gonna have to go higher so i think it might be something similar to where because you don't think about it it, it, it might not be something you're aware of. And because of those people that might be a little bit more open to some of those things that, uh, it, so it might be like, that's why it might affect them. Because like you said earlier, you know, your reality is kind of shaped by your mind. So if you go around like believing that UFOs may be real, um, you're obviously going to be more likely to see them because you're going to be more aware of them. And I think a lot of people, because of your own beliefs and because of your own kind of like uh, <clears throat> lifestyles, you kind of ignore a lot of this, uh, the minor things that most of the time, like me or, or someone else would just see it and they'll be like, oh, who, who knows what that was? Or, or we won't even see it. It'll be in the corner of our eye. And it's not something that we uh, focus on or even notice. But someone like Wolf, like he's constantly seeing all those little things because he's very hyper aware of his surroundings and also of his, not only his physical surrounding, but his spiritual surrounding as well. It's, it's pretty I, interesting. And I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I've always been a person, even since being a child, like I said, going all the way back to like the 90, 80s, late 80s and 90s or whatever, just knowing or feeling that there was other things out there, whether it was the Bermuda Triangle, Loch Ness Monster, or the Philadelphia Experiment, 
um, time travel, all these different things like that. What's going on with the Bermuda Triangle? Like just so many different things. I've always been open to it. And I just knew that there was more to our universe and more to our reality than what, you know, what meets the eye. And I don't know if that's the case for everybody because some people say, well, I never believed in anything paranormal or I've never believed anything cryptic related until the first time I saw a UFO or until the people, some people don't believe it in it all. So I can't say it, that it's people who already believe in stuff like that. But I know from my experience, I don't know why. I don't know if we are marked. I don't know if you're chosen. I don't know what it is or what the deal is going on with that. Um, are some of us called to a higher calling once you see these things to bring it to the light and expose this stuff and put the information out there to try to bring these correlations together? Are we coming up on a time period where the veil is being lifted? Um, are we coming closer to the end of days? You have to look at all those factors. Every, everything we know, <clears throat> what if these things have always been here? living right alongside of us all these years. What if the inner earth is real and these things just reside under the under the earth and they come up from time to time or come up or they go back under the earth and when we don't see them, what if the same thing exists with aliens and they're not really from other planets? What if they're from right here in our own dimension, right alongside of us? What if they're able to, how they're able to disappear? Like when jets and stuff like that are chasing them, but they're able to just disappear off radar and then appear right back. Are they going through a portal? You got the same stuff of you see a dog man then dematerializing Bigfoot the same way or walking into oblivion. And you have another question of portals again. Same way you see demons walking through walls or aliens coming through walls and stuff like that. So it's just... What we feel like or think is strange, what if it's really not? It's just that this is a part of reality that we don't know. But you might have secret societies, just like how I mentioned before with Alistair Crawley, Jack Parsons and them, Freemasons and stuff. They know some of these ancient Sumerian texts or some of the books that have been taken out. They don't want us to see because they know that these things are right here and have been here all along, walking right along with us. There's information out there I feel like that's being kept and I feel like that there's somebody that has the answers. There's ancient texts and ancient books that I feel have the answers in it. When you're talking about ancient aliens, chariots of the gods. Speaking of that, like the ancient origins of man, the ancient, the ancient, the the ancient, it's late folks, the, the ancient origin of man, you know, I think it ties in lockstep with the ancient origins of Dogman. I've said this before, that the Anunnaki and then my original co-host, Armando, he had this, he was always talking about Sitchin's work and all that. And I just, at the beginning of the show, I was not of that opinion. But as time went on, all the things I researched and was learning, and I, t- I kept my word to him. I was like, I'm going to to take what you, you know, what you, what you say and what you're telling me and I'll, I'll research it. Yeah, your message. Yeah, and so I went through, and, and of course, I bought him the books for Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, and we ended up going through all of these you know, different theories and, and going really deep and going down the rabbit hole, as they say, and I believe that it's all connected, and you go back not only for your own encounters, but it started with UFO. Yes. Which a lot of people probably would not know that. Now you're just, you know. Yeah. I never talk about it. Yeah. And a lot of people, 
a lot of people, that's how it started. They saw a UFO or they saw something and then it just goes on and on and then it's all connected. And people are so quick to just say, well, I had a dogman encounter. And a lot of times people will give me an encounter. Everybody knows this. And it will be a dogman encounter. But then there's this whole story around it. It's not just as simple as that. I think these things are around us all the time. Just like Abe, our friend Abe C. Yes. is saying that these things are around you and you don't see them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're there. You, you and him both have very ethereal encounters. And, and you know, and then they're, they could be right next to you and you don't really know it. But once your eyes open, you see it. Just like, you know, and it could be as simple as beginning with a UFO encounter that opens something up. I don't know what that is, but it's a... Uh, Anyway, we're out of time. Uh, do you want to say anything closing remarks, Bettina? Yes, just I guess when it comes to like these different things, different entities, different beings, um, whether you are a person that's experiencing sleep paralysis, night terrors, um, different nighttime visitations or anything like that paranormal activity going on in your home. Just don't try to blow it off and think that there's nothing to it. There's going to be a lot of people that may not believe you on those experiences, but do what you can to reach out. There's help for it. Um, You don't have to feel stuck in a state that there's nothing that you can do to get these entities as far as like nighttime entities, um, shadow man, um, aliens, sleep paralysis, demons, and everything else that deals with that. You can remove things like that from your home. They can be removed. Um, you may, at times, depending on what you have to go have going on in your life or in your home, or if you have any um, affiliation or dealings with the occult, then those are things that will need to be cut off in order to get that kind of stuff to to stop. So there is help for that. But I would I could go so much longer. I've got so much more I could say about all these different things. And but I'm going to go ahead and cut it now. But yeah, I really want to thank you for having me on the show again, Josh. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to doing more shows. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for tuning in to Paranormal Roundtable and good night.